Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Footballers DFS podcast with your hosts Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, one and all, to the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. I'm your host Kyle Borgannoni, and he's back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm joined with Matthew Big Daddy Peter Parker Betts. <laughs> Yes, sir. We are back, and it feels great to be back. It's been a few weeks since I've heard uh, this lovely intro song in my headphones, and i got to tell you, it's putting me in an incredible mood. Uh, what Kyle is referring to, as most of you know, uh, my wife and I had twins a few weeks ago. The girls are doing great. Uh, I have not slept in two and a half weeks, so I'm a little crazy right now. However, yesterday, weird turn of events, I actually got an infection from getting bit by a spider. thought it was a normal bug bite. It's a little itchy on my back. I'm like, Typical yeah, no story. Classic, right? Classic. And I thought it was just normal bug bite. It's a little itchy. Two days go by. I'm like, man, this thing is getting worse. The ring around it is super red. It's getting bigger. And uh, and yesterday I woke up and I remember I just texted my wife. I was at the gym. And I said, I need help. I don't feel good. <laughs> Get home. Check my temperature. I have a fever. So long story short, Kyle and I were supposed to record this yesterday. I had to postpone it because I had to go to the doctor, get antibiotics. I mean, it's been a, a rough few weeks for the Betts household, <laughs> specifically for me. So I'm very happy to be back here with some sense of normalcy now back in my life. Okay, so we're going to get to your girls, see how they're doing. But I think the bigger story is, have you developed any sort of innate sense or powers? How do you feel physically? Like, are you stronger now? Or are you just a weaker human being about to die off? Well, dude, I think when you combine the uh, the spider venom plus the dad strength that is inherently there as soon as your kids are born, I mean, I'm putting up PRs in the gym left and right, man. I'm feeling good. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of uh, extra extra juice there this morning, we'll say. You heard it right here. You have clear medical advice from someone who is in the medical profession to get bit by a spider and to make sure that you don't sleep at all for weeks on end, and you'll come back even stronger. But yes, Betts is go wrong. Betts is back with us, guys, and he's he's living. He's uh, going day to day. Uh, when I get to check in, I said, "How's it going?" He's like, "I think I just slept for an hour and a half. I'm okay, but I'm gonna have to keep going." But you guys know what that's like for the newborn life. Betts and I are gonna keep talking about best ball today. We're gonna be talking about best ball stacking and a couple of articles that you and I are gonna have out on the site this week. You already put out your QBs to take a stance on. I have another one I'll tease later on in this episode that um, has become a, a, a short story, a novel of sort somehow uh, about best ball quarterbacks. But let's go into real quick about parenting. What was your worst sleep night? Like, what, what was, do you remember so far? Maybe your memory's gone, but what's been the worst night so far? Man, I, my real answer here is just all of them <laughs> at this point. Just one long but there night. There's one night. Yeah, there's one night, maybe like three or four nights that we've been home. Where no matter what, it was clockwork. You know, one uh, one baby is fed, she falls asleep, and literally within seconds, the next baby wakes up and starts crying. And so it was just this cycle of like back and forth, back and forth. I think combined, my wife and I probably slept three hours uh, together between the two of us. So let's just say the next day was uh, was quite rough and several cups of coffee were consumed on that day. Okay, so in the middle of the night, we all have crazy thoughts. We all have, you know, maybe like, hey, maybe I should invent this, or maybe this is a good idea. 
any crazy middle of the night ideas or things that you've pondered about. Uh, it, it can be best ball, but just is there anything in the middle of the night that you've like, hey, I spent a crazy amount of time thinking about this. <laughs> I have to spend a crazy amount of time thinking about best ball because um, you get extra time to just analyze different players you want to take or uh, stacks or where guys are going in ADP. So I have a lot of thoughts on that, which I'll share in articles and on the show over the next several weeks. Um, but one thing I've been thinking about a ton is just our life. I mean, we're moving right, right now currently. So our, our house is in boxes everywhere. We're also trying to keep these two kids alive. We actually leave this coming weekend for Pennsylvania, and then we're in the house hunting process from there. So um, that's truthfully all that's been on my mind in addition to these two kiddos. But um, yes, at 3 a.m., you definitely think about some weird stuff. So you're going to write a, a, a book after this that basically says, here's the best way to plan out your life, to have twins, to get bit by a spider, and to move all at the same time. <laughs> when you When you say it out loud, it really does sound absolutely ridiculous. I cannot wait, though to get into our new place, hopefully sometime in August or September, and just get settled, get ready for the season. And I can already tell you, no matter what, next year is going to be way easier than this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're going to be spending your time with your family, but also in the DK lobby, you know, just pushing people around. I know you, you're going to take those dollar head-to-heads and just just bully people. So I'm going to put the, the twins through college. <laughs> one one dollar head to head at a time just guilt trip people in the lobby just say hey listen i have twins so i'm I'm asking for you to play a suboptimal lineup we're glad you're with us uh it's summer in the middle of summer and beyond just best ball we have lots of other things coming out in our ultimate draft kit plus our draft analyzer for the fantasy footballers comes out july 1st we put in a lot of effort and work in making that even more smooth so any league format if you want to Get in on that. That comes out July 1st. That's only in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. And I mentioned that because the DFS Pass is part of that. And we are starting to release articles that are gated that are only for people that are part of that crew. So if you want to get an edge, uh, a leg up on the competition, get the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus and all of our DFS stuff. We're going to start turning the corner in late July where you and I start to prep the people about DFS, about you know, what we've learned, like we're taking some time right now. I know you and I started talking about showdown strategy. It's June, but showdown strategy is something that I feel like every single person can kind of perfect because so many lineups are duplicated. So that's something you and I are working on behind the scenes. But if you want to get that, go to ultimatedraftkit.com, get the plus. That's what you want. And you can be a part of it. But let's talk about best ball. <laughs> Best Ball Bonanza. I wrote in here, here's what we've done. We've kind of done Best Ball for Dummies so far, which I don't know about you. You and I get to talk in the mic. This is our job. But I still feel like I make mistakes in Best Ball, and most of them are just from like dumb things, like I queued something up. Do you remember the other day I sent you a draft, and I was like, man, I really like this team. And then you just pointed out, you like, dude, you took Valus Jones 30 picks ahead of ADP. What happened? Like, you were trolling on me. I was. And you know what's really sad about this? And I actually haven't told you yet until right now. And I'm embarrassed to say I queued up. I had Lamar Jackson. I queued up for a, a dart throw in round 18, both Devin DuVernay and Tylen Wallace. I'm leaving uh, Wi-Fi going on to LTE. My Wi-Fi skips for a second. I get back connected onto the app. And who did I take in round nine? Your boy, Devin DuVernay. There you so, go. There you so go. we both have done it, and uh, and that money is gone. <laughs> Somebody out there is going, wow, he's really high on Devin DuVernay. Uh, I did just take him in the 17th round in a draft, like literally five minutes before this. So getting better value. But yeah, all of us make mistakes. For me, it was the same thing. It was a fast draft. I was talking to somebody else in the office, and I came back, and I was like, oh, crap. I took him way too early. It happens. But we talked about opportunity costs and win rates a ton, the strategy, and then we spent a week with Matt DeSorbo while you were out talking about volatility and how to inject that into your roster and what's the right amount. This week, we're going to talk about stacking, and for a lot of you, you're like, okay, I know what stacking looks like. We're going to take it a step further, look at the data last year in terms of advance rates, in terms of how you should stack in different league formats, because everybody understands the benefits of stacking. You and I talk about it in DFS all the time. Like nobody correlates better with a quarterback than someone on his own team. So if it's between, you know, you're taking Michael Pittman or Jalen Waddle, 
uh, you know, it makes sense. Like, take the person that's correlated in the same exact game and they can go off. We talk about it all the time in DFS. And we talk about it with running backs too. Running backs still count in terms of correlation. If the offense is going to put up 35, 40 points in a game, we want the entire team to be able to eat. Like last year, we were bullish on the Cowboys to lead the league in scoring, and they did. But it wasn't just CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper, right? If you would have stacked him with Dalton Schultz super late, he was a league winner in best ball, although Blake Jarwin was going ahead of him. But everybody's stacking. That's that's what I feel like the cat's out of the bag. Like if we're playing in a 12-man league, what would you say, you know, 10, 11 of those teams are probably stacking? Yeah, I would say at least 10 and most likely 11. And some of the ones that I've done, everyone does. So yeah, it's it's one of those things that you're not getting cute by doing it, but you are behind the eight ball, so to speak, if you are not doing it, because there's been several studies, several uh, articles and posts, and, and I don't think we even need to go into it anymore. Like we just know you have to do it in best ball if you want to, you know, increase your expect expected win or advance rate so yeah stacking is, is necessary everyone's doing it but we can get better at doing it with how we do it with certain players certain player types uh using value and adp and we're going to talk about all that stuff today yeah three or four years ago it wasn't common to see stacking as everybody did maybe half your league would do it but the fact that you know like you said 10 10 or 11 teams are probably setting up their team with stacks how do we get different because you know, we used to be one of the cool kids that said, oh, I like this. And now everybody's doing it. And now we kind of have to pivot. So the conversation I want to have is one that I think you and I have seen a lot. I've seen it in our Discord channel. I've seen it on Twitter. How do we stack differently in 12-man leagues and in Best Ball Mania? On this show, a lot of time we talk about getting unique. We're talking about Best Ball Mania because we're talking about a massive field and the reason why we use that a lot in our data sets is because it's just a massive field, right? Like each 12-man league that you play in is its own ecosystem. Like, okay, you know, somebody took somebody there and it might be a more casual thing. While we understand in Best Ball Mania, people are putting $25 per lineup or if they're on DraftKings, they're putting the $5. But we understand the money and the contest size is different. We care about getting unique. So let's talk about that. What's the first point you would give somebody about stacking in a 12-team league versus best ball mania? Yeah, before we get into the specifics, I think you know a lot of our listeners obviously play DFS with us, and they're familiar with the concept of contest selection. And if you're not yet, if you're just playing DFS with us for the first time this year, uh, first off, congrats, you're going to have an awesome season. And uh, a second, what we're talking about is you know you should build a lineup in DFS that's specific for the contest you're entering. So if you're playing a cash game, you know, you don't care as much about roster percentage. You're trying to just put the best median outcome out there and beat half the field. If you're playing in the Millie Maker, you need the best possible outcome to occur for each player in your lineup. And so we're building differently in each of those contests. And so what I think about with this question that we get a lot is how do I stack in 12 team leagues versus in best ball mania? In 12 team leagues, it's, I think, more similar to a cash game or a GPP in DFS where you're just trying to quote, play the best plays. You know, I'm not necessarily trying to get super different and unique and take Green Bay's wide receiver six in round 18 in that sort of format. I'm also very, very willing to go beyond normal stacking and almost kind of go like with a mega stack, like you talked about. If the offense is scoring 40 points a week, and let's say, for example, it's the Bengals, and you have Burrow and Chase and Higgins, and you even have Tyler Boyd, like on a weekly basis... They're going to eat into each other. But if that offense goes off this year and you're the one that has all those guys in a 12-team league, you're probably going to be finishing in the top three. Whereas in Best Ball Mania, because it's so top-heavy and all of the money is in the playoffs, if you are fortunate enough to get to Week 16, Week 17, and you have all those guys, like Jamar Chase and Higgins and Boyd are not going to go off in the same week. And so you're cannibalizing the upside of your lineup. And so I think we should think about how many players were stacking in 12 team leagues versus in best ball mania. I found myself in best ball mania trying to limit to maybe two players with my quarterback. So a total of three for that reason specifically, because we want these guys to pop off when it matters most where all of the money is, because again, we're playing for that top heavy payout. We don't really care if we just advance or only get, you know, second in our league. Yeah, I think the way that you put it is we're buying into offenses that we like. And in a 12-team league, you're using that offense as leverage on everyone else. Like, hey, I, you know, last year, I have the Dallas offense. You know, I have three or four pieces from it. And if no one else is able to keep up with that, 
then you're doing it now. Dallas scoring was a bit flawed because we've got a lot of defensive touchdowns, but let's say that you're buying an offense that you think is underrated. So I'll mention one. The Colts, I think, are pretty cheap. They're passing options. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor is one, like one or two in, in your draft, but you can easily stack Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Naeem Hines, Matt Ryan as like your second or third option on your team. You're saying like, I think the Colts are the best team in that division, and Vegas thinks that, and I'm going to buy into that offense, and they're they're way cheaper than what they should be valued. And you can do that with any team, but with 12-team leagues, that's what I think I, I go and think it's like, I want this offense, and I want to use it against the rest of the, that league. Yep, I'm 100% with you. I think also, too, you know, when you think about how players score fantasy points, like in most weeks when Jonathan Taylor goes absolutely nuclear, uh, Matt Ryan and Pity City are probably not. But on a season-long basis, we don't really care. Whereas in Best Ball Mania, I'm probably thinking about it more from a leverage perspective like we would in DFS. So let's say for one week, you know, there's always a few weeks throughout the year where Derrick Henry is is massive chalk. Everyone's playing him. And we used to say, okay, well, what if Henry fails? What if he goes, you know, 75 yards, no touchdown, but Ryan Tannehill throws for two and runs you know, one in and two of those touchdowns go to A.J. Brown. I'm thinking about how I create leverage. So in Best Ball Mania, you know, I'm... I'm making sure that my stacks make sense where players optimally perform. So, you know, Derrick Henry is not going to perform as well in the weeks where this year, let's say Traylon Burks might go off kind of thing. So just think about that more in that large field tournament. Is Traylon Burks like going to be bad? That was a terrible example, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I got got stuck on Derrick Henry and he's the first thing that came to mind. But um, we're all in on the under on his receiving prop for the year. And I don't know if you saw, Kyle, by the way. We were talking about it in Slack two or oh, three yeah, days yeah. ago. They took it down. So, just saying. Are you are you telling me you're moving the lines? That's what we do. What's What's fun is Brooks, right before this, we were talking through some of the drops for the show. And he said, hey, we have a moving the lines drop coming up for this show. It'll be here soon. And so, yes. Uh, yes. those of you that are new, just know Bets and I like to say that we move the lines we do not we do not have the bankroll brooks does brooks clearly does so we just kind of tell him hey throw down a couple of g's on trail on burks is under and the markets move so um before we get to the next part is there there's some data we have here from best ball mania 2 that i thought was interesting from last year about what the field was doing and i i think that's the perception for me as a player that has my head in this like okay well everybody's doing this and I, I'm in a draft, and I see people, and I go, oh, well, they have a couple of Broncos. They're clearly going to stack Russell Wilson. But is the field doing this enough, or is it still undervalued? Yeah, so we already mentioned and established that everyone's stacking. And last year, over 80% of entries in Best Ball Mania 2 stacked at least uh, one quarterback and wide receiver combination. So you're not really getting an edge. But as we already said, you need to do it. So fall, you know, fall in line do that. But what's really interesting is that uh, about two thirds, 66% of entries didn't do a double stack. And we know from our kind of weekly upside talk in DFS, double stacking is huge. Uh, You know, you talk about, you want to go quarterback, wide receiver, and the wide receiver two, quarterback, wide receiver two, wide receiver three. There's many ways that you can do it. But I think, you know, if you're taking only two or three quarterbacks in best ball, which you should be doing, you're basically relying on those offenses. And so it makes a ton of sense to say, yeah, I'm going to double stack my quarterback. You can get unique with it. You know, you can do it with a tight end and a wide receiver, the RB2, all those sort of things. But the bottom line of the take home is that I think whenever possible, we should be, should be shooting for double stacks in Best Ball Mania. And like I said, avoiding th- three or four stacks, that's just too much. But I think double stacks have a, a pretty good leverage on the field. And when we're talking about stacking, we're also throwing in the running back on one team, wide receiver on another and, you know, wide receiver, wide receiver, like there is routes to success for those types of plays. And then you and I have talked so much about week 17. I want to, I mean, it's massively important. It's even more important as I shared on the mailbag show last week. It's just high risk, high reward. Like it can cost you if you're saying I have one stack from one team and they don't go off. Like even that chief stack, like if you had a chief stack last year, in the chiefs Bengals game, you would have been sitting pretty like, I have Patrick Mahomes, I have Travis Kelsey, and I'm ready to roll. When, hey, if you were totally exposed to that team and you didn't have Daryl Williams, then you would be left holding the bag. So just realize that as we're 
as we're constructing our rosters, you don't want to be overweight on just one team. Uh, I would say, and then that's it. Like, so for me, I'm looking at a roster I have right now. I have three Eagles. So bets. I got three Eagles on my roster. Jalen Hurts. Guaranteed to win. Dallas Goddard. And then I got Kenneth Gainwell late. So I felt pretty good about, you know, getting, getting the running back. And then I also have Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney as another stack on that. Like just that right there. I know that I have some correlation. I also have some other pieces that correlate, but I'm giving myself room for my team to have success knowing that there's multiple options and I'm not spreading my, I'm not spreading myself too thin, but I think I, there's some robustness in my stack. Now it's terrifying that Darnell Mooney is my wide receiver too on this team. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. I'm also very impressed that you just use the term robustness on the show today. So killing it, man, killing it. You know, as a former English teacher, it, it comes into this job sometimes when I'm writing up blurbs and it's interesting, like in the UDK, there's lots of blurbs where I'm playing around with things and and you'll ask me like, is that even like a phrase? And I'll go, I, I think it is, but maybe I got too far down the line. So yeah, if you guys look at the draft analyzer, there's some new blurbs that we have written up that are, uh, I started getting a little weird with, um, once you start writing blurbs for every single situation and possibility. So yeah, check those out, throw them out to me, but robustness bets. That's what we're going for. Robust stacking. I love it. All right. Before we get to the next part, let's hear from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! So I want to talk about the difference between a safe stack and a high upside stack it's really easy to be able to point out to a, you know, to, to a draft board and go, okay, well, clearly they got the wide receiver one, they got the quarterback one, easy stack. The problem with a lot of wide receiver ones, you're paying up that draft costs. So for instance, Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen, if you're getting those two this year, I mean, what are you having to pay like ADP wise? What, like Diggs eighth overall? And then where are you taking Allen? Yeah, Allen always goes in round three. So you're spending two of your first three picks on that stack. And I'm seeing people even reach like saying like, okay, I got digs. I need to get Allen in the second round just to be able to complete it. The problem is the opportunity cost is insane. And I looked this up. They actually had negative correlation last year. So when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen, who can run the ball and have massive games, it actually can hurt his stacking options. And so while we might look at that as a really safe stacking option, Stefan Diggs, you know, Josh Allen, last year it was actually hurting your team and actually caused, if you had Josh Allen and you stacked him with Stefan Diggs and you had to pay up for that, it actually hurt your advance rate. So I just wanted to point that out, that just because you have a stack doesn't mean that it's going to positively correlate all the time. But QB stacking, because it's essential, uh, people can often reach. And so some of the safer stacks last year were the quarterback one, the wide receiver one, and then adding in an RB3, that gets you some exposure to the offense. Now, RB3 is really hard. Like, is there any situations or players out there this year that you're like, okay, here's an RB3 that I'm targeting in a draft that I'm excited about? No, not really. I mean, I think the only team I can think of off the top of my head where that's happening is all the Dolphins guys go. So, you know, you'll have Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, and then a lot of people are taking Sony Michelle at the end of the draft. I'm not really excited about that. I'm definitely not targeting any RB3s uh, on my best ball squads. Yeah, I, I'm i just looking at the ADP chart that we have in the best ball primer. And like, you know, you're looking at like Damian Williams. You're looking at Chris Evans. I do like Dernis Johnson. If you're getting an RB3, I think you and I are both higher on him. But it's really just dart throws. And so those are safe because you're just 
getting an RB3 at the end of your draft. So it's not really that big of a deal. But the safer stacks, these are ones that had above a 20% advance rate last year. Uh, the RB2, the tight end one, the wide receiver two, like those are all cheaper plays uh, than what you're going to get. So for instance, last year, if you did that with the Chiefs, you had Kelsey, you had Daryl Williams, and then you're throwing in another one of those receivers. Like those are all doable stacks uh, to be able to do. Or you get the quarterback and you find the wide receiver three or wide receiver four. Those are safe stacks, but it's really hard to find the upside unless there's an injury ahead. So for that last one I just mentioned, quarterback one, wide receiver three, wide receiver four. Is there any situation this year where the wide receiver three or wide receiver four on a team can make a massive jump? I mean, we can't project injuries unless you are dark, dark, have a dark soul and you're saying this is what's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> Is there any situation for wide receivers kind of like at the back end of the roster that you could say could make a leap forward and that is easy to stack, but it's cheaper? I mean, the only real, I feel like, situations where that could make sense and be profitable is in these super high volume passing offenses. So, like, is the Titans wide receiver four going to become super viable for us in best ball or fantasy? I would be shocked, right? But on a team like the Chiefs, where a lot of people don't really know who the wide receiver one is. I guess you could say it's Kelsey, but in terms of Juju, Sky Moore, and MVS, you know, we don't really know who's going to emerge as the top option. And so I think in those sort of offenses, you can take some shots on players and names later in the draft. And I do think this is a really good point to bring up. Um, I want to give a shout out to Hayden Winks from Underdog. He wrote an article maybe a month ago about contingent-based drafting. And essentially what he's talking about is like, if this happens, then you know, then what is the outcome, so to speak? So in this example, where you're taking a quarterback and the backup wide receivers, if, let's say, for example, Steph Diggs goes down, you don't have Steph Diggs, but you take Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, and Jamison Crowder or something like that, you're getting a lot of, uh, you know, inherent upside baked into your picks if something would happen to Stefan Diggs. So I think there is some merit to this sort of uh, approach. It's not something that I go into my drafts targeting, but if the value's there, uh, I'm all about it. I'll give you some other wide receiver threes and wide receiver fours just based on ADP on their own team that are interesting to stack. So DJ Chark is still going as the wide receiver three for the Lions, and he's buried at a spot where you don't have to count on him. But if you wanted to, at the end of your draft, let's say you had DeAndre Swift, you got early, you can easily get Chark and Goff and just say you have a stack as your QB2 or QB3. Uh, Van Jefferson, I think, is a easy name to pick like he he's always been a big play guy something happened to cup or Allen robinson i think he's in a good spot russell gage you know is is somebody that if you don't get the first two options like there's room there for him uh and then rookies i think fit this archetype of a safe stack but they're safe in the sense that they're cheap the upside is still there so some of the rookies that are going in that wide receiver three wide receiver four range for their team george pickens Wendell Robinson, uh, there's just a couple of guys, Romeo Dubs, that could emerge. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying they have to be the wide receiver one on their team, but even if they end up as the wide receiver two, you're getting a massive uh, increase, massive value there. So make sure with your stacks, the ones that you can get easily you're and you're not paying up for, like you're using those wide receiver threes, wide receiver fours on their own team to fill in the back of your roster. But the high upside stacks from what we saw last year, these are stacks that got you to the playoffs, but more importantly, last year, they were the one that won it all, so the finals. So last year was the QB1, RB2, and wide receiver three had the highest upside when they got to the playoffs. Okay, so that's that Daryl Williams example that we talked about. This year, there's a couple of RB2s that I could easily see end up as an RB1. So for instance, if you did Aaron Rodgers, A.J. Dillon, and then you threw out like a, I don't know, Alan Lazard or Sammy Watkins, that stack has room to just massively increase, including week 17 when they play Minnesota. Is there any other situations where you're targeting those type of stacks? Because you're not saying the RB1 is going to go down, but you see the upside there for the RB2. And so for the full stack, you're trying to target three players. Yeah, I think one specific example, and we've talked about this team a lot, we love them for their ADP, where they're going, the upside they present is the new look Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson. So 
you have to pay a, a pretty penny for Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. And I think the market is telling us we don't really know who's going to be the wide receiver one that emerges. But there's been a lot of rumors about um, KJ Hamler being a great deep threat for this team. We've seen Tim Patrick be really good when he's got an opportunity. They paid him the bag, so he's you know financially secured there. So I think one of those wide receivers to throw onto your Russell Wilson stacks makes a lot of sense. And then the RB2 I've already talked about. I love Melvin Gordon for where he's going, not only because he's kind of that you know high win rate zone of like round 9, 10, 11 for running backs, but you also you know can have some contingent upside if Javante Williams should go down. Melvin Gordon's going to play every snap most likely for that offense. So uh, the Russ Wilson, Melvin Gordon, and like Tim Patrick or KJ Hamler stacks, I think are super interesting this year. So Melvin Gordon, when you brought him up a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I heard it. And I was like, ah, I feel like this isn't it. Dude, I've come around a ton where Melvin Gordon might be one of my three or four top you know, running back exposures so far in best ball mania because he keeps sliding. I mean, that that's what we're seeing. Like he's sliding. I got him, you know, past pick 100 recently. Like it was like 115 and nobody was taking him. And when I looked at my roster, I was like, do I need Melvin Gordon? Like I don't have to have him, but it was at a point where I was getting him as my RB3 and RB4 and the upside is clear in an offense we really like. And when I look at this data, it's taking the quarterback and the RB2, which gives you more upside than everyone else because everybody's counting on those RB1 scores. Like we're counting on Javante Williams scores if we drafted him early, like in the second, third round. Those rosters that we have Melvin Gordon on are basically using that as leverage and it counts even more if it's towards the end of the season. So keep that in mind, the RB2, it really matters. And we know injuries are going to happen. We don't know exactly where, but those RB2s that you're getting to fill out your roster are probably going to be the one that are that are league winners. Real quick, Kyle, right. before we move on, I want to ask you a question about that. Do you think this data, so obviously it's talking about RB2s, in fantasy, we don't really like taking the role player at running back. So, you know, the JD McKissick, the this year, maybe the James Cook. Do you feel like this correlation is the way it is because it's pass catching running backs that generally go second to the workhorse early down backs? Or does this just, you know, speak to us of like, hey, this guy's in the good offense? He could get opportunity if anything happens to the guy in front of him. I'd rather buy into the offense than, you know, the scat back. The I mean, McKissick was actually a really good win rate player last year. Despite, yeah, he went super late. Yeah, despite missing the last two months, I think he was top 12 in terms of advance rate. So I think McKissick on his own is a good play, but I think this is more about us buying into offenses that we like. And if you have players that have a window of opportunity, so the Chiefs were one that we really like the Packers. I think we love their running backs. We're still kind of confused about what to do. We love the Broncos offense. Finding those types of players with a window of opportunity. Like we brought this up on the main show recently, but AJ Dillon likely will have one or two games where he's just the dude. Is the AJ Dillon game? Aaron Jones has only played one season, you know, full 16 games. So I think that's what you're asking for. I mean, injury is what gives you the massive upside, but still there's room for Melvin Gordon to have a two touchdown game and Javante Williams plays the whole game too. So I for sure I love targeting these because of how cheap they are, but you do have to play that game. Like I'm assuming the rest of this stack doesn't hit, right? Right. So now it's it's definitely tough. We'll we'll be talking more about running backs. I'm I've gotten cranky recently about pass catching running backs and third downs. Oh like it's, my gosh, listeners, you would not believe the phone calls I'm getting from Kyle. <laughs> I won't spoil it, but you know, just check the website in a, in a few days or a couple of weeks, and uh, there'll be an article up about Kyle's love of third down running backs and how the fantasy community overvalues them. All right, I'm going to give a quick little spoiler here because there's a lot of fantasy football research out there, and I, I'm not saying that I've unearthed some deep truth that no one's ever talked about, but I will say I am on a rampage of <laughs> finding the truth. Do third downs even matter? And are we just all idiots? Is Maybe. <laughs> is that... <laughs> That's what the data says anyway, right? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. But so far, it seems like we overvalue it for situations um, when... We're often binary. So, for instance, McKissick, great third down running back, great win rate player. Antonio Gibson was actually okay on third down last year and still can get the touchdown. They both can be good. We don't have to pick or choose. That's my first yep. thought. All right, one more thought before you and I get into some player takes. I mentioned earlier, 
when you stack, it doesn't mean you always get automatic positive correlation. Now, over time, we would say Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, yes, they're they're positive correlated. They're on the same team. Over the last 16 games, they're, they weren't. Um, they were negative. It actually hurt your stack. You can even have players that finish in the top 10 in their position, and actually it hurts because of where you're drafting. So I want to make this point really clear. With stacking, we're not just trying to get players on the same team. We're trying to get players that are win rate players that actually exceed where their ADP is. So for instance, last year, Justin Herbert and Mike Williams were one of the best stacks that you could get. Justin Herbert, his advance rate to get you the playoffs in underdog last year was 29%. So that means 29% of the rosters that had Justin Herbert got to the playoffs. That's really, really good. That was a you know top four mark for quarterbacks. But Mike Williams elevated that stack even more. I mean, if you had Herbert and Big Mike, our boy Big Mike Willie, 41.8% of those teams got to the playoffs. Like, that's what you want. You want a stack that doesn't just, you know, positively correlate, but actually elevates it even further. To illustrate this point, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, would you say that they were good last year, Betts? No, I would say that they were very good. Oh, dang it. Dang it. Joe Burrow always gets me. <laughs> uh, Joe Burrow's advance rate was actually pretty pedestrian. Like, it was 15th best at the quarterback position, 15.9%. What a bum, right? Oh, so bad. I wish he was better at football, and I wish he didn't think he was so cool. So Joe Burrow obviously finished the year on a tear, um, but just to get to the playoffs, it wasn't great. It was great when you were in the playoffs, um, but their weekly correlation was awesome. It was .63, but Chase during the season actually only elevated that stack to get to the playoffs, only 4%. So their advance rate together, if you stack Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, and getting the playoffs was 20.3%. Now, obviously, if you made it to the playoffs with them, then you might have won the whole thing or you might have won your 12-man league. But you likely weren't depending on that stack to get through the year, right? They were probably your secondary stack. Let's say you had a Dak Prescott and someone else. That's probably what helped you. But my point is, we want our stacks to elevate our advance rate and we want our quarterbacks to be able to be good on their own but they need to be elevated by who they're being stacked with. And often that comes with a cheaper guy like Mike Williams. Or Jamar Chase was what? Going in the fifth, sixth round last year? Yeah, especially when there was those... Remember there was the uh, the camp reports of him not being able to catch the NFL football because it didn't have the white stripes on? What a silly, silly hindsight uh, piece that came out. But yeah, he dropped from like round four to round five or six. And so, again, this all comes back to opportunity cost, right? When you have a player like Jamar Chase who went absolutely uh, bananas last year with those high upside weeks, his price of around four around five around six is so different than having to take you know someone around one because when you're taking those guys early with those stacks like this example with Steph Diggs and Josh Allen this year they have to be the wide receiver one and quarterback one for this to pay off and so there's a really good chance it's a negative win rate stack this year yeah and I'll, I'll go into more data in a second but man if you are paying up at two premium positions in a stack there is very little room for an error like you just can't do it like even so Devontae Adams last year was a great pick at the end of the first round. Like, let's say you avoided some of those early running backs and you, you had Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers was a great win rate player. They had to be great. They had to be great. Aaron Rodgers was obviously a lot cheaper, but Devontae Adams had to, and he was. So it paid off. But if you don't get that, it's going to be tough. And I'll also add this in, and I want to get your take on this. Rushing quarterbacks, like quarterbacks that, you know, Josh Allen can have a game where he throws for two touchdowns, runs for 70 yards, another touchdown, and he's like the quarterback one of the week, and Stephon Diggs goes four for 40, right? In that playoff game, what was it? Diggs had like seven yards. Like it was something putrid uh, when Gabriel Davis went off. Does that cause you to look at some of these rushing quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and not feel like you have to like fully stack them with like three options? Yeah, for sure, especially in these tournaments where we're trying to get those like super... Um, elevated performances in those spike weeks in the fantasy playoffs because yeah like you said if you have let's say Lamar Jackson and Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews like on the season that might actually be pretty good but if there's one game where Lamar only throws for 200 yards doesn't throw a touchdown and runs in twice like he could be a player that is crucial to winning but you have players that are kind of dragging him down so to speak so I think in those formats I'm really trying to think about how my quarterback scores and if it is someone like that who we can point to and really say, this guy runs a lot. And it's a pretty short list of names, right? Like it's Lamar, 
Kyler's done it, Josh Allen, um, Jalen Hurts, maybe Trey Lance, like those types of guys. I'm really thinking about in best ball mania, maybe only stacking those guys with one uh, pass catcher. Yeah, I'll throw Justin Fields in that group too. It's it's looking at those players and thinking about how they score their points, like you mentioned. I will single stack them. So I, I have a roster right now. I mentioned Justin Fields is my QB two. I have Darnell Mooney. And I'm really tempted towards the end. Like, do I want to throw in another bear? And I'm also like, I don't know if I want to throw in another bear. You know how bad this team is? <laughs> seems like uh, a bad seems like a bad decision. <laughs> uh yeah. I was stacking bears. Now I got Fields late and I basically said where I got him. I need him to be quarterback 10. I think that's in the range of outcomes with his rushing upside. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about a couple of players. We'll give some player takes here and I'll, we'll kind of both hint at our articles. You wrote an article called QBs to take a stance on in best ball. We looked at our rankings. We looked at the consensus. We looked at underdog ADP. You want to tease a couple of those for the people that you are bullish on. And maybe I think what we're trying to say is we want these to, players to be on your teams like if you're using our rankings on the website in the ultimate draft kit plus we want these players to be on your team yeah i mean there's a, a couple of names that stick out to me off the top and we talked about this player a little bit already we've talked about this team many episodes it's lamar jackson and the ravens you know we're all in on the bounce back for this team and what it comes down to is just looking at like the rushing volume that he is going to see not only on scrambles but design runs led the NFL in both categories last year by a wide margin. And now this team is talking about, you know, trying to go back to what they were in 2020 and 2019 when they ran the ball a ton. And so I think Lamar Jackson has a great chance to finish as the RB, or the QB one this year. And, uh, and it is fifth round ADP. He doesn't have to do what Josh Allen has to do in round two or round three. So I love him. Another one we got to point out, it's just Tom Brady, man. I mean, no matter what happens, the guy is undervalued in fantasy year after year after year. He'll be 45 years old very soon. I know he just lost Gronk, which isn't great. But you, you look at basically how quarterbacks have to perform if they're not going to run the football and how you want to stack them up. I'm looking for quarterbacks who are going to throw at a high rate, you know, attempt a ton of deep balls and throw when they get close to the goal line. And Tom Brady obviously checks all those boxes. So he's a guy that I love because you don't have to pay a premium for a lot of the stacking options that he has. So I think he's going to be another name that we look back and say, yeah, I'm not surprised Tom Brady was a high advance rate guy this year based off his ADP. Yeah, so he was he came out of the gate, if you remember, on fire last year. He was top five, I looked this up, top five in six of his first eight starts. So you were getting those boom weeks. The crazy thing about Brady is he is a little bit, he has more spike weeks than you think and more like average weeks than you would figure. But we don't care in best ball. Like that, that's what we want. Um, his ADP, I also checked this out, has slipped almost half a round over last month. And then with the news of Gronk, maybe it slips a couple more picks. So he's hanging out right now at QB9. And that's a perfect spot to be able to draft him. Um, I love it. And let me just throw in one more thing about Lamar Jackson. His ADP is pretty similar to last year, but Andrews is way more expensive right? Like you, last year, Andrews was a fifth round pick. Now he's second round. So does that, knowing we're high on Lamar Jackson and where Andrews is going, are you a little lower on, on that pair together because of what Andrews has to do to pay off? I am for a couple of reasons. One is the ADP, like you said, for Mark Andrews. The other thing is that that's a stack everyone is going to try to aggressively target. So if you're playing best ball mania, teams that have Mark uh, Mark Andrews, I almost said Mark Jackson, Mark Andrews are going to try to get Lamar Jackson. So you're not getting unique at all. So I love taking Lamar Jackson when I don't have Mark Andrews. I don't hear what I'm not saying. Like I'll have a couple of those stacks, but um, you know, don't be afraid to take Lamar and Rashad Bateman and then throw Tylen Wallace on the end of your roster or something like that. Or take Gus Edwards super, super late or something like that. So yes, I'm, I'm in on Lamar Jackson. I'm a little hesitant at Mark Andrews at his ADP. So I want to unpack a little bit of this article this uh short novel it's about to be five thousand plus words uh, i'm almost done with it but it's called qb tiers advance rates and players to target so it's taking our player takes and then looking at last year's advance rate data so who got to the playoffs and who could actually pay off at that spot last year so i'm going to give you some data people and then bets and i are going to converse about these different tiers and 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 uh who we like, who can actually be a win rate player at their ADP. So first off, I looked at the top 10 quarterbacks last year. So the top 100 picks, all these quarterbacks were going there. 
only four of them exceeded expectation in terms of their advance rate. So those were Josh Allen, who was at 22%. Justin Herbert, 29%. He was freaking awesome. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, 20%. And Tom Brady, who was even better at 31%. So let me ask you this question, Betts. Knowing that only four of the top 10 quarterbacks exceeded expectation last year, does that change your perspective or does that inform you about early quarterbacks this year? There's a couple of things that I think of off the top of my head when I look at this list. So, you know, Kyler, Lamar, Dak, and Russ, they all had injury, bad injury luck last year, right? So that definitely affects this data. So we're, we're not right. saying, you know, you can't count on the top 10 quarterbacks year after year. You probably can some years and some years will get burned and that's just not anything you can predict. So I want to point that out first. But yeah, man, I mean, you look at the advance rates and, you know, the win rates for these players that are going so early. It's what we talked about with opportunity cost. You're passing. If you want Patrick Mahomes or you want Josh Allen, you're passing on an elite wide receiver or a running back who can pop off and finish as a top 10 option this year. So it makes a lot of sense that, yeah, Justin Herbert smashed. He went around 77th overall. And then Tom Brady, who went around pick 100 last year, smashed. So um, you're looking for guys that can that can outperform where they're going in ADP is basically the take home. So I started looking more at these early quarterbacks and who's actually paid off. So Josh Allen was the quarterback one last year. Amazing spike weeks was awesome. He had the fifth best advance rate of all quarterbacks last year. So he's fifth best. It was good. It wasn't number one because of where he had to take him. I also looked at win rates. So we talk a lot about advance rates, getting the playoffs and underdog win rates means you won your league. Okay, so not just getting to the playoffs in a tournament, but you won your 12-man league. In Best Ball 10s, another format we talk about, Allen's win rate was the highest among any quarterback drafted in the first five rounds. Okay, so if you are taken in that first 60 picks, you have to be great. That's it. Like you, you like Justin Herbert this year, I was looking at where he's going and what he's done. Seems like his floor is really high. But there's room for him to not be a good advance rate player on best ball because of what he has to do there. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, taking players unders and whatnot. Like, injuries are real, and you have to take that into account in a format where you're not changing your roster at all. So, someone like Justin Herbert, who's in this first tier of quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, they're all taking the first 60 picks. I feel like Herbert has one of the highest floors along with Josh Allen. And he's a player I like stacking Justin Herbert. What's the downside for somebody like that? Because we usually just sing the praises of them. What's the downside of a Charger stack? I mean, you if you want a Charger stack this year, you're paying the premium. Austin Eckler goes in round one. Keenan and Mike Williams both go kind of around pick 30. So right around like the, the third round, somewhere in there. And then Justin Herbert's not far behind in round four. And again, like we talked about, the earlier you take these guys, the more... Uh, they have to do. They have to be awesome. They can't just be okay for your team. They have to be great. And if they're not, that stack is going to be a massive, massive bust this year. You're you're basically saying if you're stacking two of those options, if it's just Herbert and Keenan Allen, neither one of those players can get hurt, right? Michael, I mean, we're we're rolling the dice here with every single stack. But Mike Williams, Justin Herbert, Austin. If you're getting three of those options, you're really hoping that nothing happens. And we love the Chargers. In fact, Houston. My six-year-old the other day sat me down and said, hey, Dad, um, it was on Father's Day, I think, actually. He said, Dad, I don't like the Falcons anymore. <laughs> They're bad. I want to be I mean, a Chargers fan. I love that's that. That's great analysis. I, I said, if there's any team that you would pick, I'm glad it said. He almost, he said, what about the Buccaneers? I said, no, we don't like the Buccaneers, son. Okay? That's, that's not our team, but he said he liked the Chargers. So I mean, um, dude, he's learning from Dad. I was... Uh, was, was that the, was, was that your most proud moment on Father's Day? I, it was pretty proud. Like I was like, dude, you picked a really good team. Do you understand how <laughs> key, important Keenan Allen is to my life? Um, who just got married the other day? Happy happy uh, wedding day, Keenan Allen. Um, yes. I want to talk about a couple more tiers here and kind of ask you some questions, Beth. So the next tier after the first sixty picks is what a lot of people call the QB window. It's finding quarterbacks in rounds. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, just kind of in that, you know, four round window where the win rates just skyrocket. Over the last five years, ten of the top ten quarterbacks in best ball ten win rates came from picks sixty to one hundred. Let me repeat that. All 
All of them. So 10 of the top 10 came from this window. Why do you think that's true that these quarterbacks here are giving us the best advance in win rates? The main reason is opportunity cost. And you're able to take some pretty elite playmakers earlier in the draft where you're not taking quarterbacks. So if you're waiting till you know, round six, seven, eight, nine, ten to take these quarterbacks, they don't have to necessarily be the QB one for you to have a successful season. They can have a above average season, a great season, finish as a top 12 option, or even finish in the top five and, and outperform where they're going in ADP. And because you have that quarterback, presumably you're going to take some other pass catchers with them. That's going to turn into a, a very beneficial stack. And I also want to point people to an article that I wrote two, three weeks ago, right before the twins were born, back when I actually had brain function about uh, optimal roster construction on underdog. And this speaks to exactly what you're talking about. I looked at when people took quarterbacks last year and their advance rates and people that waited till after round 10 to take their quarterback one did horribly. You have to take a quarterback in this range if you want to have success because these guys have just as much upside, in my opinion, as the guys that are going a lot earlier, but you don't have to pay the premium to take them on your roster. So pick 61 to 90. So 30 pick window. There are seven quarterbacks going in this range. So ADP seems to say that this is a window that people want. We've seen the data in the past. So we have Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, Trey Lance. Like, yes, I like almost all of those options. And you're getting them at a discount compared to that elite tier. Is this a spot where you don't mind double dipping? Where, hey, you know, it's it feels weird to take quarterbacks and back-to-back picks. But this seems to be the spot that if you pick the right two from this window, you're probably going to have a really good win rate. Yeah, I actually love that strategy this year because I think what most people will do is they kind of get uncomfortable with that strategy. So let's say you take one of these guys in round seven, you might think to yourself like, okay, I can't take another quarterback here. I got to get my tight end or I got to get my RB3 or whatever it is. And you'll wait till you know round 12 or 13 to take your quarterback too. Well, I think we can get a lot of leverage on the field knowing this advance rate is so high in this tier and that not a lot of people are going to take quarterback, quarterback, or you don't have to do it in back-to-back rounds, but like let's say you go round six and round nine or something like that. Taking two in this tier, I think, makes a lot of sense, and I'm actually trying to do that a lot in my drafts. Let's talk real quick about the range of outcomes because I think all of these players have a really high ceiling. Um, I'm lower on Kyler Murray. What would you say his ceiling is? Quarterback two. Yeah, I think rushing-wise, it's totally possible. I also think his floor, like I, I would actually consider him one of the biggest, bigger bust candidates of this group in terms of me not buying into that offense, but his rushing floor in a four point uh, per passing touchdown format is good. But yeah, it's still high. Jalen Hurts, what's his ceiling? I think with AJ Brown, and this is zero bias, <laughs> quarterback one is, is legitimately possible. I want to punch you, but you're also right. In, in our projections, Jalen Hurts, if you switch to four point uh, scoring, I mean, he's QB2 in some of our projections, so it's it's not crazy at all. Um, I want to get different with Jalen Hurts because I feel like he's rising to the point where everybody's now expecting him. Last year, his, his advance rate was not as good as we thought. Like, it was 17%. He met expectation because he was still being drafted pretty high. This year, he's dra- being drafted even higher. So just keep that in mind with Jalen Hurts. He's the hotness. Joe Burrow. Being drafted at QB7, what do you think his ceiling is? I'll go QB5. If you don't have enough rushing volume or enough passing volume, which this team hasn't had, you have to rely on on efficiency. So you're going to need super you know, downfield passing, spike weeks, all that sort of stuff with Joe Burrow to get there. So without the rushing, I'm going to go quarterback five. And keep in mind, last year, Joe Burrow was going at 107. Now he's going at pick 70. And you could stack him with Chase and Higgins and Boyd and it was way cheaper, right? Like this year, you are saying Jamar Chase is a top five pick. He has to hit that. Joe Burrow, you know, at QB7 has to hit that. So their advance rate, it's not going to be as easy as I think we imagine. If you want to think about some highly drafted first round wide receivers last year. So like, you know, where Chase is going. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, their advance rate was only 21%. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, 23%. And here's a crazy one. Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes, their advance rate together as a stack was only 17%. Not good. So we we want something 
I like I think you need from Chase and Burrow, I think you need twenty five plus percent for them to even pay off. So there's just not the value I like. I think you can still do it, but coming off a Super Bowl run, their ADPs are jacked up. I'm probably gonna be lower on those two. So is there a stack with those quarterbacks in that range that you like this year? In terms of the first round guys? No, no, no. In terms of like quarterbacks going in that six to uh, 10 range for ADP that you're targeting because their wide receivers aren't going super, super high. Yeah, I, I mentioned Russ Wilson. We t- talked about him earlier because like you can get Sutton, Judy, or Patrick later or Melvin Gordon. Um, Brady, I think is, I mean, Evans is still underrated in my opinion. Like he's, he's second round and I think he's still going to eat. Um, Dak and CeeDee Lamb scares me a little bit. Like CeeDee Lamb, I was picking at the 111 and he was like, you know, second or third up next in terms of ADP. I was like, gosh, could I really pick CD lamb as a first round pick and expect like he has to be historic. So yeah, that one kind of scares me. Um, and then, you know, maybe we should just talk about him. I feel like we need to just say this, but what about Trey Lance? I was hoping you'd bring that up, man. Yes. Trey Lance. He's the, he's the answer. I was hoping you would say, I also like Russ Wilson. We talked about that, but I feel like Trey Lance is this is last year's Jalen Hurts, where he was going in a similar range. People haven't seen it yet, so they weren't super, super all in to commit to it. And they're, you know, a little hesitant to take him earlier than where he's going. Well, I mean, look, dude, it was a small sample size last year, but no quarterback in his two starts, you know, for across the whole season for NFL quarterbacks, no quarterback had more uh, fantasy points per drop back than Trey Lance. It's not going to happen like that, most likely, but it just speaks to his upside. And I love that, yeah, if you like Debo, you want to take him, go for it. You don't, I mean, I'm not going to target him in round two. I think he's a little overvalued based off his efficiency last year. But if you're taking, you know, a Kittle in round five, Brendan Ayuk in round seven or wherever he's going, then Trey Lance, you know, that is not a high cost to get. For Trey Lance, who I think has a legit shot to finish inside the top five of quarterbacks. So I love him this year, and I love him for the fact that outside of Debo, you're not paying a premium for his stacking partners. I'm mad at people when they take Trey Lance ahead of me. Like I I'm I have him queued up where I will take him a full round ahead of ADP. I'll just do it. Like I'll I'll, I'll do it. And I saw someone the other day that took him four <laughs> rounds ahead of ADP. And I just Kyle said, logs in before his draft even starts. He just cues Trey Lance. <laughs> let me let me give you some perspective on Trey Lance, okay? And I think Jalen Hurts was the perfect conversation starter because Jalen Hurts as a passer last year, how would you characterize his, him as a as a quarterback? Pretty average to not great. <laughs> Sixteen passing touchdowns, right? Uh, you know, the, shout out to Jalen Rager. Sixty-one percent complete. Like it was, it was not great. Okay. So I started messing around with Trey Lance numbers and clearly he has to be named the starter. He will be. And we need him to play a full season. But let's give Trey Lance a conservative number of passing touchdowns. I gave him 20. That is weak. That is so weak. It's a little better than Jalen Hurts who didn't play the full season. But let's give Trey Lance 20 passing touchdowns. If he averages just eight rush attempts per game, which is less than what he did last year, he's probably going to end up with 750 plus rushing yards. All right, that's just what he's projecting, what he's been doing. 750 rushing yards is basically another 19 passing touchdowns in this format. So if I told you that Trey Lance threw for 39 passing touchdowns, you would think that's crazy. That's essentially what you're getting with the rushing yardage. That's not even asking him to run in a touchdown, which is worth six points and not four. So I love double dipping in this range with two quarterbacks, you know, Russell Wilson stacks, Trey Lance, Tom Brady, um, I am very weary of some of the other guys, uh, in terms of what the field's doing, but I'm a big fan of that. All right. Can we talk about one more tier? I'm just going to yes, tease please. one more tier. I'm going to skip a tier because I feel like, uh, the next tier is actually picks 91 through 120. Um, and in the article I lay out, like these are the pocket passers. They're all going together. Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. I think we like all of them. We love Cousins as like the end of this tier. At QB 15, you can stack him with Jefferson or stack him with Thielen. Um, I like all those quarterbacks. I would not mind stacking any of those guys. And what's crazy is Stafford, you get to wait for a long time until uh, with like somebody like Cup, right? Like you take Cup, top five pick, and you can wait all the way, you know, QB 12 for Stafford. Rodgers, we don't know what to do, but you could stack him with Aaron Jones, his wide receiver one. Should we call him that? Oh, yeah. Big time, buddy. 
Uh, Derek Carr, QB 14. You can wait on Devontae Adams and, you know, Darren Waller stack. That's great. Kirk Cousins, you do the same thing. So I love these guys because we're not asking them, you know, they're not going to run the ball, you know, more than 10 times. Like, it's just not happening ever the entire season. Like, these guys aren't mobile. But 35 passing touchdowns, I think, is in play for all four of these guys um, this year. I want to talk about what I call the hopeful boom tier. These guys are going in a 30-pick spot in rounds 10 through 13. All three of these were highly drafted quarterbacks in the first round of the NFL draft. All three of these have tons of potential, and all three of these have underwhelmed so far in the NFL. And I'm talking about Justin Fields, QB 16, Tua Tagovailoa. Nope, you say it. (laughs) (laughs) That went well. (laughs) You say it. Tua Tagovailoa. Man, I should have just stopped. I knew I was. I started the train, and then when I said Tua, I was like, I need to stop that train. You should have just said Tua, man. (laughs) I know. Dang it. And Trevor Lawrence is actually going as QB 18. So these three quarterbacks, what's interesting is that last year, Fields and Lawrence were going in the same exact range. And they were massive busts, right? Lawrence was actually one of the worst quarterbacks, you know, in history. Um, he was one of the worst best ball tricks, uh, best ball picks overall. A sub ten percent advance rate. It was really bad. I feel like people are still hoping that a stack between these three players is going to pay off. So between Fields, Tua, and Trevor Lawrence, what's your take? Man, yeah. Shout out to Urban Meyer. That was rough last year. Um, it's tough because you can poke holes in all these guys and that's why they're going where they're going in ADP. But I think my answer here, and this is mostly just based off how you can build your team with stacks is probably Tua. And it's because he has players that can elevate him. You know, you can't find a more athletic trio than Jalen Waddle, Tyree kill and Mikey Siki to be your primary pass catchers with some options out of the backfield too. So it would not shock me if Tua is not that great for NFL, but he's actually a pretty good win rate player just because he's going to be easily stacked and his players can help elevate him. Whereas like Justin Fields, yes, he can run and I get that argument, but man, the wide receiver room is barren. Uh, And then for, you know, Trevor Lawrence, like Christian Kirk is your wide receiver. One scares the crap out of me. So I'm not sure what to do there. So I think my answer, even though he doesn't run the football is Tua. I wrote down that Tua needs 30-plus passing touchdowns, which I think is doable. It's not a crazy amount, but for Tua, it feels like a lot. He needs at least three to four spike weeks. I'm talking like 23-plus fantasy points. And in his career, he's only done that twice. So his ADP is is saying his weapons are going to carry him there. And we're, I mean, if you get him as your QB2, like I think that's totally fine. What would you say I have a roster where he's actually my QB3? And I know I was paying up for other quarterbacks. I took two quarterbacks in the other window. All right, so I took Trey Lance and Russell Wilson. And then I took Tua because I had Jalen Waddell on that roster as well. Um, I feel like he's a luxury at that point. Yeah, probably. And the chances of him being able to beat Russ and um, you said it was Trey Lance, yep. the other quarterback. The For him to beat those guys week to week, you would put the odds probably pretty low. But... Man, Tua's never played with a group like this, and I actually think he's going to have success in the system. So it would not shock me if we have a couple of weeks where you know he has a little slant pass to Tyreek Hill and he takes the sixty yards of the house. Like that would not surprise me at all. So I do think he'll give us a couple spike weeks, but I do not want to be relying on this tier as my quarterback one at all. It was a weird roster construction for that team, but basically he fell. I was in the tournament and I said I want to get different than anyone else. Like nobody's having two as their QB three. So I was, uh, I just needed that affirmation and you gave it to me. Yeah. Get weird, man. I've teased out all of these tiers. There's a lot more. There's late stacking tiers that you can get later on all the way up to pick 200 and even some juicy Carson Wentz information who's going past pick 200. People are here for it, man. They're going to get to that spot and they're going to immediately log off because you're talking about Carson Wentz. Oh, you mean Carson Wentz, the player that had a better advance rate last year than Patrick Mahomes? That's the guy. Yeah, best ball is weird because it is solely based on price and ADP. And those things change in our best ball primer and in the best ball rankings. We try to update those weekly. I know you and I just went in. We did some changes about Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Brait, um, Deshaun Watson. Like we're, we're trying to update those as frequent as possible. 
Feel free to reach out if you see something that's a little bit wonky. Uh, for a while, Kenneth Walker was calling it, was giving us issues because he changed his name to Ken. Thanks a lot, Ken. Come on, Ken. Come but on. But you and I are always trying to update those, including I just gave a little boost to your boy Jahan Dotson. Ooh, I love it. I actually also just did a full audit on my best ball ranking. So go ahead and check those out. Lots of guys moving up, some guys moving down. Uh, trying to put you guys in the best possible position to win two million bucks. Yes. I hope everyone has a great weekend. We'll be talking best ball again next week. And bets, get some sleep. Oh, man. I need it. Just like I need these antibiotics to get rid of the spider bite. We'll be back next week. Have an awesome week. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.